Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you can be seated. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Hey, before I start, I do want to uh, ask you to be in prayer this week for uh, Erica Handley. She's in the back there, uh, and her brother's here with us today as well. Her, her, uh, her mother passed away, and we all know uh, how difficult that can be. And, um, you know, it's just a tough time, and um, if you've been through that, you understand what I'm talking about. Um, and so she's going to need us as the church to do what the church does. We're to glorify God and we're to edify others. That means build each other up. So at some point today after the service, give her a big old hug. Now her husband, he's kind of weird and ugly, but just, uh, just give her a hug um, and ignore him because he's kind of squirrely. Anyway, that's what my dad would say, kind of squirrely. Anyway, now we love y'all and uh, we are going to be here for you guys for the long haul. So. All right, guys, so let's take a look at John chapter 21, shall we? I've decided that as a church, we no longer need to talk about football or outcomes or how things happen. Uh, I felt yesterday at about 5.30 or 6 that, that, that God spoke to me through Gary Danielson, and he said, uh, if you know who Gary Danielson is, that's funny. Anyway, yeah, we don't need to talk about football or outcomes, so hey, you know. Anyway, so, yeah, I know Georgia won again, all right, nobody cares, whatever. Anyway, so, anyway, y'all got lucky for the 28th or 29th time in a row. So, I'm just saying that Georgia hadn't lost since my son went up there, so you take that for what it's worth, all right? He's leaving in a month, so you do what you want to do, all right? Now, listen, let's look at John chapter 21 and... I want to tell you once, one more time that the book of John is separated into two parts. The first 12 chapters of the book of signs, the next 13 through 21, is the book of glory. And that book of glory is giving his life over and defeating death for us. And that's what it is. And so I want to talk about that. I do want to let you know that I do have a little bit, I don't really have a cold, but I do have a little bit of, of drainage or whatever you want to say in my throat. So I kind of feel like I sound a little bit like Johnny Cash. You know what I mean? So... I don't know, I just kind of feel like I've got a little bit of bass going up here today. So anyway, um, but don't forget, 13 through 21 was the book of glory. It's, it's him giving his life over to us, defeating death so that we may have life and have it to the abundance. The main goal of the book we went over last week, and we've gone over every week, but I want to go over it again this morning, and it's this. But these are written so that you may continue to what? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of your willpower, right? By the power of what you do. By the power, nope, by the power of His name. So how do you have the abundant life? Not by your own power, but by the power of His name. And so today we're going to take a look at John chapter 21. And I want to start... Here, and I want to read it to you. It says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. So, Jesus has appeared to the disciples. The disciples are, 
are, are amazed. They went to the tomb. They have went to the empty room. Thomas has put his hand in his side. And, and it says that you know, this is a little time later. So it says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel. Um, from Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Mark that. We're going to talk about that in a second. We'll come too, they said. So they went out to the boat and they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he, was, he had stripped down for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the, load, uh, a net, pulled the loaded net to the shore, for there were only a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Mark that charcoal fire. That's important in this text. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. When Jesus served them the bread and the fish, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, replied, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And then he says this. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify, the kind of death would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. And Peter turned around and saw behind the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, that is what, uh, uh, what is that to you? As, you? as for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that the disciple wouldn't die, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And this disciple is the one who testifies these events. So it's John and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Why do we know it's accurate? Because it's firsthand knowledge. It's his own eyes, his own ears. He heard everything. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. <coughs> Lord God, we do love you and thank you for your word. Teach us now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. What exactly is going on here? Well, there's a lot going on here, and there's a dynamic that I want you to see. I love teaching this particular text because this particular text is one that is one of the main reasons that we are sitting here today. This particular text is one of the main reasons that I actually started the church, that Lynn and I felt led to start this church. And I'm going to show you that in a second because there's some, there's some hidden things going on with this text. There are. The first thing, and I want to go through these today. The first thing is this, and I want you to hear this very clearly. We often return to that which we know. What is the first thing going on in the text? Well, the first thing is, is that we often return to that which we know. We often return to that which was comfortable. Don't forget what had happened to Peter. Just 10 or 12 days earlier, Peter had failed the Lord. He had failed the Lord because he had said, No, I do not know him. And he had done it three times, as Jesus had predicted. And so Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead. Peter saw him. But everything was still unknown. There were still some questions going on about the status of Peter. Peter had failed the Lord. And what did Peter do? Peter went back to that which was comfortable to him. He went back to that which he had known. Once he thought he was going to lead this group of disciples, but now he had failed. And so what Peter did is Peter returned to the place that he knew, the place of comfort and the place of familiarity with him. When I was about 20, 21 years old, 22 years old, around that age, I, uh, I got dumped. It's the only time I've ever got dumped so far. Wendy, don't dump me, honey. Uh, so far, I'm good. Uh, it's the only time I hadn't gotten, it's only, I got dumped one time. And I've told you that story. Uh, it was kind of out of the blue. And so after a couple of months, I... Um, I went to a concert. I went to a Christian concert. And what you do as a single guy in a Christian concert is you look for hot chicks, right? Isn't that what we do? So um, anyway, long story short, I went to a Christian concert, and I looked across the way, and I saw my ex-girlfriend. Not the one that had dumped me, the one I had dumped. Are you with me before that? Now, I know some of you guys are looking at me thinking, I can't believe he actually dumped anybody. I did, actually. There was one or two or three, all right? Um, so anyway, so, uh, but literally I, I had dumped her and I was like, you know, and I was still hurting from the mistakes that I'd made and the issues that I had and all those kind of things from the previous relationship. But I spotted her and I walked over to her and I said, Hey, um, you, would you want to get coffee or something after this? And she was like, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do that. And so, uh, we did, we went and got coffee uh, and I'll never forget it because we actually went and got coffee, and then we went, and I didn't even drink coffee, by the way. I still don't. I drank I drink some this morning, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't drink a lot of coffee, maybe once a week. But we went and got coffee, and we talked, and then we went to the church parking lot where I was saved at and where I was attending, and we sat there in the church parking lot. And no, I did not make out in the church parking lot, so get that out of your mind. Um, I probably wanted to, but I didn't, all right? Uh, no, I, I went and I, we talked and we talked and we talked. What I'd done, see, is I'd went back to the familiar and we talked and we talked. And after three or four hours of talking, you know what I realized? I realized that this just isn't right. This just isn't right. This isn't, something's not right here. And she felt the same way. It was like, this just isn't, no, this is not right. This is, 
What I had done is, is this. I had seen the familiar, and I had gone back to the familiar in hopes that the familiar would be something better than the loss I had just had. But I went back to the comfortable, to that which I knew, and I realized that 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 was not what God had for me. And she realized that that was not what God had for her. And it's a great thing because she you know, ended up married a really godly man. She does ministry. It's a great thing. Um, and I got Wendy. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, so, so no, I, I really did. I, I realized that, which is, which is at that point why I just literally stopped dating altogether for, for a while and decided I wasn't going to, I just wasn't going to date anymore. So, uh, for a while, and I didn't until I met Wendy, but um, I, it was the familiar, you guys, and look, we do the same thing. We really do. We really do. What we do is, is this. Here's how this works. So we fail in something. We fail God. We fail, you know, in our relationship. We fail, and what we do is, is we go back to that which is familiar to us. We take the old cassette tape out. For, the, for those that are younger, the cassette tape is what music used to be played on, okay, in the 80s. You take the CD out. Let me do that. That's close enough. You take the CD out, and you put it in, and you start playing those old tunes again, right? And your hope is, is that the familiarity will bring you back to that which is comfortable to heal some pain within you, and you don't do that. Peter did the same thing. Peter did this. He was like, hey, listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. I'm, I'm go fishing. Why is that? Well, because he knew how to fish. He knew how to fish. He knew all about it. It was comfortable. It was something he knew. And it would get his mind off of the failure that he had. A lot of times we in relationships go back to the familiar. A lot of times when we mess up with God, what we do is instead of running to God and asking forgiveness, we run away from God and we hide in the familiar. Sometimes people, the familiar for you is, is that you go back and start talking to an old friend. Sometimes the familiar is, is that you start doing this thing over again. Sometimes the familiar is, is that you go back to the same patterns which, you had been, which had been broken with your relationship with God. Those patterns had been broken, but you go back and you do some of those same patterns over and over again. It's one of the reasons why oftentimes I tell young people, I'm like, listen, if you're in a relationship and you're dating someone, don't ditch all your friends. Because if you ditch all your friends then what occurs is, is that when you get out of the relationship, when you're, when you're connected to this person, and you get out of that relationship, all of your friends have moved on, and you haven't, and you go back looking for that relationship with your friends again, but see, you ditched them for this other person, and so they've moved on, and so not only have you lost your relationship, you've also lost your friends. So don't ditch your friends for some girl, and don't ditch your friends for some guy. Grady, are you listening? Thank you, buddy. All right. Hey, Grady's got some, Grady's a looker around here, the Central Christian. He's, he's got a few chicky DDs wanting to date him, so. All right, Grady, I love you, buddy. So listen, don't ditch your, don't ditch your friends. Don't do that. But you go back to the familiar. You really do. I do this sometimes. I know this will shock you guys, but sometimes ministry frustrates me. Now, it's none of you. It's other people. Are you with me? But ministry frustrates me. And you know the first thing I come home and tell Wendy? Here's what I say. And if I were to ask her, she could tell me. I come home and say, hey, listen, I'm just going to go teach. I'm just going to go teach. I'm off in the summers, you know, winter break, fall break, every break, year break, here break, everybody break, break. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's what I want to do. And that's what I tell her. I'm like, I just want to go teach. Why do I say that? I'll tell you why I say it. 
I'll tell you why I say it. Because for me, teaching is comfort. Now, for some people it's not. But for me, I'm so used to it. And I'm, I, I know how to do it. And for me, I just go back to that which I'm comfortable and that which is easy. But the truth of the matter is, is that the abundant life is not lived in comfort. I want you to hear that. The abundant life is not lived in the known. It's the unknown that where the abundant life comes in because God stretches you and puts you doing something that you didn't think that you were able to do. Peter went back to that which he knew. And that's exactly where Jesus found him. The second thing is this. Jesus is going to ask you to do things that go against your nature. I want you to hear this. Jesus is going to ask you to do things that go against your nature. Peter and the disciples, some of them, were expert fishermen. And they had been fishing all night. They would fish during the night and drop the nets until early morning. And some know-it-all came and said, hey, throw it on the other side. Now let me just say something to you. I've been fishing with some people. I'm not a great fisherman, but I'm pretty good. I'm not great. If you've been fishing with me, I know you're better than me, whatever. But I'm pretty good. I've been fishing since I was little. And my, when I'm fishing, I, I, I have a certain way that I fish. Now, what I don't like is, is when I'm fishing with someone else and they say, hey, hey, dude, you know, if you did it like this, you would catch more. And I look back and say, hey, dude, if you shut that hole under your nose, you wouldn't get punched in this nose, all right? So calm down. No, listen, no one who fishes especially wants someone else to come in and tell them what they're doing. So here it is, Peter's out there, he's been working all night, he's wore out, and suddenly this person that he doesn't even recognize says, hey, throw it on the other side. And you know Peter's got to be saying, who is this happy jack? What in the world, man? I mean, what, is the, who, what does this person think they're doing here? What, what in the world does this guy think he knows? But what happened? He listened. And what happened? He caught a lot of fish. Now, it says 153 fish. If this wasn't in the Bible, I would believe they probably caught about 50, but they lied because all fishermen lie. Um, but I'm going to believe it because it's 153 in the Scriptures. I'm going to believe it's true, okay? He listened and he caught. Let me ask you a question. How many times has Jesus asked you to do something that goes against your nature? I'll tell you this, planting this church went against my nature because I wanted the solid ground. I wanted the foundation of having a check coming in every other week or every the 1st and the 15th. And taking a chance and stepping out, I did not feel comfortable doing that. I did not. And it took months for me to feel comfortable doing that. What about you? He's going to ask us to do things that do not make sense. Can I tell you some things that don't make sense? Some of us, it's forgiving people. Forgiving people. For some of us, it's forgiving people. And Because let me tell you something. I know it may feel like, you know, the holy thing to say would be would be that holding a grudge doesn't feel good, but it kind of feels kind of good. You know what I mean? Kind of like, well, I'm mad at them. And, you know what I'm saying? It kind of feels kind of good for a while. But always remember this, and I've always told you guys this. Grudges, bitterness, anger, all of that, that corrodes the, the whatever is carrying it. Okay? That which is carrying that, it corrodes it. And so if you have anger and grudges and bitterness and stuff inside you, 
you are being corroded from the inside out. And that's the way the enemy does it. That's why Jesus says, hey, you need to forgive one another. You need to forgive. Now, there's, I want to tell you something. There's a big difference between forgiving someone. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you have to still hang out with them and they need to be your buddy again. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you have to be around them. Forgiving is for you. It's not for them. And you forgive them, and then you move on. Loving someone that's not lovable is another thing that goes against our nature. It does. Putting others' needs before your own needs goes against our sinful nature. But Jesus asked us us to do it. Can I tell you something else that goes against our nature? And I know if you're visiting here, they're like, great, preacher's talking about money. I never talk about money. We don't even take up an offering. There's boxes in the back. But tithing does go against our nature. It really does. It makes no sense for us to say, hey, listen, I know this is crazy, but God says you'll have a better life on the 90 than you will on the 100. God says, if you, and it makes no sense. It goes against our nature. But I can tell you, living a life of tithing for me has shown way, I've had a way better life than I would have ever had. Being self-controlled goes against our nature. You know, sometimes it's fun to just kind of lose your temper and go off for the moment, but 15 minutes later, you're going to regret it. Jesus will ask us to do things that goes against our nature. And the scenario is, is that they're standing, he is standing and he's yelling out to them and he's saying, throw it on the other side where you've probably already fished, where you know that there's no fish, where it makes no sense that there would be fish, throw it on the other side. And you know their first thought was, what? what? What are you talking about, dude? We've been doing this all night, and who are you? But they did it. And because they listened, they reaped the reward of abundance. Out of their comfort zone, out of the familiar, and against their nature. And that's the same thing here. Let me tell you what else we can learn from this text, and it's simply this. Jesus will meet us right where we are. I want you to hear that again. Jesus will meet you, and he will meet me, right where we are. Think about the prodigal son. What occurred in the prodigal son's story? The prodigal son thought he had to get cleaned up to go back to his father. The prodigal son said, if he'll just let me be a hired hand, I'll eat better than I'm eating right now. The the prodigal son came back to the father. But the father didn't say, hey, son, whenever you get cleaned up and whenever you change your life and whenever you do this and whenever you do that, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, whenever you get all those things done, then you can come to me. He said, no, stop. Take the robe and put it on him. I don't care if he's muddy, nasty. I don't care about it. Put it on him. Take the ring and put it on his nasty finger. Because this is because my son was lost and now he's found. This is where he is right now in his life. And we're going to walk from him to this point going forward to restore him to what he once was. Jesus will meet us right where we are. I ask you to make sure you note the coal. Note the coal smell. This past week, uh, we, we got out. We were like, you know, it's getting kind of cold. Let's make some soup. How about some vegetable soup? And so we haven't made it in forever. And I said, you know, we usually use beef, but I want to go get some, uh, um, is it called stew meat, Wendy? Is that what it is? I want to go get some stew meat. So I did. I went and got some stew meat. And we, put, we let that sucker cook. Uh, it was last Sunday, right? All last Sunday. We let it cook all last Sunday. And when I walked in from church after about seven or eight hours, 
Uh, we had errands to run and stuff. I walked in from church. When I walked in, the smell that hit my nose took me back to Weems Place, W-E-E-M-S, in Waverly, Tennessee, of me coming home to my house, and the smell literally took me back to my childhood. And I was like, wow. And that's what I thought about briefly. I was like, wow, I can remember coming home. That smell took me back. Hey, I want you to know something. John is the master of layers. We've learned that. He's the master. There's always some underlying meetings. Whenever he says that the coal that was around the fire, it was the same type of coal that they used around the fire that Peter was warming his hands around the moment he denied Christ. It's the same coal. And as Peter's standing there, he's smelling this coal burn, and his mind is going back, which Jesus saw as an opportune time. And here's what he says. Jesus' first question was this, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me no matter what? Do you love me till the end? Do you love me in that way? And Peter responded, Lord, I love you like a friend. Jesus says, the first time he asked him, he says, do you love me? The word is agape. Do you love me agape? And Peter said, Lord, I love you like a friend. I love you phileo. Two different words were used there. Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you, will you love me to the end? Do you love me all the way? Do you love me agape? And Peter said, Lord, I love you like a friend. I love you phileo. And here is the turn. And here's where I say that Jesus will meet you where you are. He looked at Peter the third time. And he said, Peter, will you love me like a friend? Will you love me, phileo? And Peter said, I will love you like a friend. Here's what I want you to see. The Peter in the Gospels, before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, would have immediately said, yes, I will love you unconditionally to the end. As a matter of fact, he said that at the Last Supper. He said, you're not going to die. No one's going to, no one, this is not going to happen. And he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before we see the sunset, sunlight. Before the sun comes up, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows. What had happened to Peter? Peter had decided that he was going to get real with God. He had decided that being super disciple was not working. He had decided that, you know, failure has a tendency to humble us. And Peter was humbled by the failure. 
And He was shown for what He was. And we too have been shown for what we are. And Jesus said, Peter, will you love me unconditionally? And Peter said, no, Lord, I can't do that right now. But where I'm at, here's where I'm at, Lord, I will love you like a friend. I will start at this point. And if we could start at this point, then maybe eventually I will be able to love you unconditionally. But right now, I can just love you, phileo. I can just love you like a friend. Peter had stripped away all of those things. He had stripped away all of the religion. He had stripped away all of the pretending. He had stripped everything away. And he got real with Jesus. He got real with Jesus. And that's exactly the same thing that you need to do and the same thing that I need to do. Many of us come into church. People always ask me, why did you plant the church? I'll tell you why I planted the church. Because I saw so many people that were one way on Sunday morning and different during the week. And I'm not saying they were bad. They were just different. I saw so many people say, yeah, I'm fine. Everything is great. Yeah, everything's going good. And I knew that their life was a mess. I knew that they were struggling. I knew those things. And yet, they acted one way on Sunday. And on, during the week, they were another way. I too, I too often would put on a front because in a lot of churches, they don't like you to wear flip-flops. I don't know what anybody has against flip-flops, by the way. Quit trying to ruin my life. I like flip-flops, okay? I know my toes are ugly. Who cares? Yours are too. Don't listen to your spouse. They're ugly. All right? Listen, I had to do the same thing. And I had a choice to make. I was like, God, either, either I want to be genuine with you. Because it took me two and a half years to give my life to Christ. It did. I wanted it to be real. And if it wasn't going to be real, I wasn't going to do it. Two and a half years. And I just kept seeing things in the Scripture that I didn't see on Sunday morning. And I didn't see a genuineness. I didn't see a brokenness in some of the people. I saw something that looked like what Casting Crowns called a stained glass masquerade. Happy plastic people. And can I be real with you? I don't want to be happy in plastic. I want to have joy and be genuine. That's what I want. And that's why we planted the church here. That's why. People say, why is it called real church? I said, because we just want to be a real church. We want to be genuine. We want to take, I used to do it every Sunday. We want to take down the mask that we walked in with and be honest with one another. And here's the reason I say that. Because I know by this story, I'm telling you by this story, I see that what Jesus desired for Peter even when he first met him, was to be genuine. But he didn't get the genuine Peter until after the resurrection. And at this very moment, he knew, he knew that he could trust him to do that which he wanted him to do. And that is to be the rock, Peter being the rock, to be the rock 
the foundational for the church that would be established and the reason that we're here today. Which brings me to my final point. Jesus never promised us an easy life. The abundant life and the easy life do not go hand in hand. That's why I tell you all the time, all these preachers on TV that talk about, eh, I got a plane and I got this and I got that because God's blessing me. Baloney. Do you think God blessed Jesus? He did, and he had nowhere to lay his head. His pillow was a rock. The abundant life doesn't equal the easy life. As a matter of fact, you know what he told Peter? He said, I want you to understand something. When you were young, you could dress however you wanted to dress. You could act however you wanted to act. You could do whatever you wanted to do. But I want to tell you something. Going forward, there's going to be a time where you won't be able to do that anymore. Where they will, they will dress you and they will take you to places that you do not want to go. And you will experience things that you do not want to experience. And Peter was like, okay, Lord, what about him? Jesus said, well, don't worry about him. You worry about you. If I want him to live the whole time, he can. But don't worry about him. This is about me and you. Was Peter's life abundant? Yes. Was Peter's life easy? No. Guys, listen, I know you know this, but I mean, surely you do. But, but when Nero was getting ready to crucify Peter, Peter said, I don't have the honor of being crucified in the same way that Jesus was crucified, and he was crucified upside down. That's how Peter died. Peter died being crucified upside down. Abundant means that the meaning in your life will be more than you can imagine. Abundance means that your life isn't always going to be easy. It won't be easy, but here's the thing, but it'll be worth it. And that's something that I can promise you. And that is the book of John. Let's pray. Yeah, let's clap. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it now. Jonathan, can you help me? Where's Jonathan at? I decided that some of you guys deserved a, an award. You don't get one. You'll get one. So I have here a certificate of completion. It says, I survived and thrived the book of John the best year and a half of my life. <laughs> Hashtag survived the book of John. Given on this 12th day of November 2023 at Real Church Coweta by Pastor Barry Williams. And I did not put this, Aaron put this down. Hardcore devil stomping ninja and dropper of knowledge. That is my title. So, Jonathan... I'm going to keep my copy. If you'll pass those out, if you survived the book of John, if you, if you survived it, just raise your hand. I may need to get one for one for family. So, Jonathan, just go ahead and start passing those out, okay? Yeah, just start passing those out, all right? And as he does that, I'm going to ask our praise team to come up.
and to close us. I hope that you have experienced John in a new way. Jonathan, we only have about 50 of those, so make sure you spread them out a little bit. I hope you've enjoyed going through the book of John. One of the things that I love doing, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you what we're doing for the next series. Um, we're going through the uh, book of Numbers. No, I'm kidding. We're not going through the book of Numbers. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, not yet, anyway. Um, listen, I felt like I really wanted to do an Old Testament book starting in January. I really did. We're getting ready to go into our holiday season, and we'll start that next week. But I really did want to go through a a book, and so I really wanted to, I said, you know, God, I really want to be in the Old Testament, and I felt like that Holy Spirit just kept saying, no, don't do that, no, don't do that, and finally, I prayed through it, and about two weeks ago, I began to study, and I began to realize what he wanted us to do, and so starting in January, we are going through a series called The Storyteller, and we are going to go through, one of the things that John does not have, not one of them, he does not have in the book of John, uh, are parables. And so we are going to go through uh, all of the parables of Jesus from beginning to end. It's going to take about uh, half a year. Anybody believe that? Uh, six months? Six, how many months? Ten months. It'll take ten months. Now, I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but I know that there are between 30 and 40 of those, depending upon uh, if I double up on some. But I do want you guys to uh, look forward to that because I really look forward to it. The storyteller, the parables of Jesus is what we're going to start in January. All right? As Jonathan continues to pass those out, I'm going to turn it over to Dan Dan, the dance machine. Dan, take it away, my friend. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.